Then he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you. Peace be to you who reads the good tidings. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I would guess that many of us have spent a little bit of time, or maybe not so little bit of time, watching the Olympics this week. And the Olympics are very inspiring. You, you, you watch these, and I always, while I'm watching the Olympics, I'm, I'm always, feel like I should go to the gym. Or, or go on a run, or do I don't, but um, I feel like I probably should. But more than that, it's, it is so inspiring because you remember the words of the Apostle Paul who likened our spiritual lives to a race. And he talks about the athletes. And when Paul was speaking of the athletes, he was speaking of the athletes of these ancient games that are the precursors to our modern Olympics. And um, he says, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. And so we see all these athletes in such prime condition, and we recognize how much they have fasted, how much they have kept vigil, how much they have denied themselves, and we recognize a really clear analogy with our own spiritual life. And they are doing it for the chance at a gold medal. Of course, they're doing it for many other things, satisfaction and the challenge and all these things. But it, it reminded me that my own ascetical struggles are falling much short of Olympian level. And yet they are striving for something that is temporary and it's going to pass away. And yet we, as Apostle Paul reminds us, are reaching out for a wreath that is imperishable. And so let the Olympics um, be inspiring to us, not just for the physicality and the enjoyment of the sport, but to have a glimpse at our own spiritual life and just to judge how serious are we about our own ascetical life. If our race included getting to church on time, I'm not sure many of us would be in medal contention. Some of us might be worried about our participation trophy. Thank you for laughing. Guys, I say that in all love. So it would be tempting to try to preach on this idea, but I'm not going to. For when I read the gospel, um, a gospel that we read so many times, the feeding of the 5,000, and when I recognized what it was, I thought, ah, oh, you've heard this so many times. And as I was reading it again, something stood out really strong for me that had never stood out before. Jesus is with a great multitude, and he has compassion on them. He loves them. He cares for them, and he does what he can by touching them and healing them and teaching them. And the day is over, and the the apostles tell him, this is a lonely place. There's not much around here. Send them away to go find something to eat. 
And Jesus tells the apostles, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Now, if you remember, the apostles had seen um, Jesus feed a multitude already. And so he says, no, you give them something to eat. And the apostles must be looking at each other saying, is he wanting us to do that? <laughs> and they, they look around and they go, well, we, we have five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, bring them to me. And then he ordered the crowd to sit down on the grass. He gave the five loaves and the two fish to over 5,000 people. And they were all, they all ate and they were satisfied. Jesus in this gospel invites his apostles to participate with him in his ministry. And they look at themselves and they recognize that they are insufficient. We don't have what it takes to do this, Jesus. And he is asking them, even after this, to participate. He gives them the food and they distribute it. And so this is a really clear figuring of Christ giving the apostles the truth to then go distribute it throughout the world. But what especially stood out to me about this was that when Christ says something to the apostles, he's also saying it to us. He is saying to us, and he's commanding us really, don't send them away. You give them something to eat. Now, who would he be referring to for us? Well, the, the multitudes, the, the people that surround us in the lonely place. We are surrounded by people with a great hunger. And they're in a lonely place. They, many of them don't even know they're hungry. And they certainly don't know they're hungry for Christ. Their hunger for something more than a good feeling or kindness. Even their souls, they have a created hunger for a real, true, authentic, transfiguring love. They are hunger for that love, but that love is Christ. Because God is Christ and God is love. And we have received this. And we receive it again and again in the sacraments, especially in the Holy uh, Eucharist. I'm going to try to insert a couple of scriptures that seem to fit here and there, so if that um, seems disjointed, uh, forgive me. In the Gospel of John, Jesus tells us that He says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give him for the life of the world is my flesh. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is true food, blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Christ has placed His body and His blood in us. He abides in us as we abide in Him. And He has sent us out into the world to offer Him through ourselves. We are His body in the world. We have received this. And so we have a call to go and feed the world. 
But what are we feeding the world? What is the world hungry for? Christ's love. So we are to offer Christ's love. The love that He has poured into us so richly. We are to offer it to the world. Not to send them away, but to feed them. And immediately we say, but, but we don't have enough. I barely have enough love for my own family and my own friends. And I fall short even in that. How do you expect me to love all the people that you send my way? We do not have to worry that Christ's love will be insufficient. St. Paul tells us, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumph. Through us, He spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. It is not an overstatement to say that potentially every encounter with an Orthodox Christian can be an encounter with Christ Himself. The Holy Spirit resides within us, or do we not believe that? Do we not believe that Christ has really come to live with us and dwell in us? If we truly believe that, then we have to believe that when we go out into the world and we interact with people, that we carry Christ with us. And Christ's body is powerful. It is love for the salvation of the world. And we stand a much better chance of carrying Christ to the world if we remember and if we believe. We've heard it said that we now live in a post-Christian world. And the people who live around us, who we meet, the people we interact with, are very different from us. And it would seem increasingly different from us because no longer are the suppositions and sort of the assumptions of the Christian mindset common. I heard the other day an advertisement for a podcast saying that it was going to give dating advice in a post-gender world. And we all bristle. And we're all appalled. And we recognize the things that the world is now calling good, we find abhorrent. And people who call these things good are the very people that we are called to interact with in love. We bristle and we want to send them away. Find something else to eat. But Christ says to us, no, you give them something to eat. So we're talking about people who are heavily tattooed or are lesbians or married to the same gender. And we think we can't possibly have any connection with them. And what does Christ ask us to do with them? He asks us to feed them. And what are they hungry for? They are hungry for the love of Christ. In a world that's hungry for Christ's love, Christians are somewhat famous for offering truth, moral standards, and justice. Telling the world clearly what's right and wrong. And truly, justice and truth are attributes of God. And we should definitely be interested in these things. But God is love. The scriptures don't tell us that God is justice. That God is right and wrong. But God is love. And it is love that saves people. Some of you may have bristled when I called out some of you for being late in the beginning. 
I spoke the truth. You were late to church, some of you. But it didn't make you feel necessary. We need to look past the sin. We need to see the image of Christ in all of these people. These are the people that we are called to love. In Romans, Paul says, While we were weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God shows His love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's an episode in the Scriptures where Jesus sits table in the house of Simon the Pharisee. And a woman comes in and kneels at Jesus' feet and breaks a costly perfume bottle on his feet and is weeping and wiping his hair, wiping, wiping her hair, sorry, wiping his feet with her hair. And Simon and some of the other guests are aghast. He says if he, if he was really a prophet, he'd know this woman is a, a sinner. And Jesus tells Simon a story that points out that she loves Christ more than he does and that he who loves much is forgiven much. Christ knows exactly the thoughts of all in the room. He knows who this woman is. He knows that she is a horrible sinner. Even Jesus even says her sins are many. But he never calls her a harlot or a sinner. He does not send her away. He says, Daughter, your sins are forgiven. And we are reminded that Jesus did not call, Jesus did not come to judge the world. He came to save the world. And all the people that we encounter who are so different from us that we might be pushed away from, we might not want to encounter, Christ died for them. He came to love and save them and not to judge them. And so we, as Orthodox Christians, need to overlook the sin. We need to overlook the differences. And we need to offer them that life-giving love that Christ has poured into us. Every interaction that we have with every every person should be characterized by love. Whether we know the truth about what they're doing is right or wrong, we need to look past that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we will call what is sin not sin, and we will call what is ungodly godly. But the person is the person for whom Christ died. He wishes us to feed them. There's a good chance that the only encounter they will have with Christ is the encounter that they have with you. And we have a chance to not to to squelch the Holy Spirit, but to be a light and let Christ's light shine. And Christ's light does not shine in judgment. Christ's light shines in love. It is easy for us 
when we're trying to train our children in the way they should go, when they've got a problem that they encounter, it is tempting for us to say, well, you should have known better. And that's absolutely true. Justice kind of demands that we're going to tell them that. But instead, perhaps we should just help them solve the problem again and again and again because we love them. When someone confides in me that they've had an abortion, I hate abortion. But in that moment, I don't want them to know that. I want them to know that I love them. I will support them help them heal or do whatever they need because the person that had that abortion Christ died for. There are many examples. There are people in your workplace, in your schools, who are really uncool, who are really weird, or they're really annoying, or they're so negative, or they're just toxic to be around, or they're stabbing you in the back at work, undermining your credibility. They're doing things against you. And you might even consider them, oh, those are my enemies. Enemies are the ones we're supposed to love. And we say to Christ, but I don't don't have enough. I've got five loaves and two fish of faith. And yet Christ says to us, my grace is sufficient for you. And I will give you what you need. And it will be enough for the salvation of the world.